I want to thank Research Consultants International for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion in projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about research consultants. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic development organizations. Call them now. They can help you create real prospects. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we've got Linwood Thomas with us. Linwood's our first Virginia guest, I think. Linwood's the Director of Economic Development in Hanover County, Virginia. So Linwood, thank you for being with us today. Chad, thanks for having me all the way up here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you're a Virginia fan, I guess, at a basketball. I was at the game last year where Virginia beat Auburn on that officials call at the Final Four, so. Yeah, Wahoo Wah, big UVA fan. Our basketball program, as you know, has done pretty well recently. Football has struggled until recently. Mendenhall has come on and turned the program around a little bit. But we're not going to compete with you big SEC boys, but so much. We understand. Well, that's okay. you, you got a great basketball team. So why don't you first tell our listeners where Hanover County is. We have folks listening from around the country, so they may not know what part of Virginia that is. Yeah, so to give you an idea, uh, Hanover County is just about 12 miles north along I-95 as a crow flies from the city of Richmond. And uh, the city of Richmond is the capital of Virginia, for those who may not be aware. Hanover is about two hours from the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. And we're really strategically located centrally on the eastern seaboard. So uh, we're seeing a tremendous amount of activity um, here. Again, when you're close to uh, three international airports and uh, the Port of Virginia, which is the second largest port on the East Coast. And then you've got I-95 and 295 bisecting it, along with a good quality of life and cost to do business. Activity levels have been out of this world recently. Y'all have had a lot of success the last two and a half years. So why don't you kind of detail some of that? Let me just say that over the last, a little over two years, last 30 months, Uh, We've done over $600 million in deals. And when I say deals, we've written $600 million in performance agreements. Wow. Uh, These are big companies, the Wegmans of the world, Fortune 100s, distribution and middle office play for Wegmans. That's a $175 million project. Uh, We've also did a big deal with a company, Cascade, which is out of Montreal, Quebec. That's a cardboard liner company that's going to invest over $300 million in the county. Uh, We had an old antiquated paper mill and Uh, We were lucky to position this asset, if you want to call it that, to this company. They took the building down. So that's a big announcement. Those two projects alone will create almost a thousand jobs for the county. Wow. Um, 
we also had a 0.6% industrial vacancy rate. We had a tremendous amount of interest here in Hanover from nationally known developers. And we said, listen, we've got greenfield sites, but we also need products. So what we did was is we stood up a program called a speculative building program where we would encourage reputable developers nationally, and for that matter, internationally, to build spec uh, buildings here in Hanover. And we've got over a million square feet of spec space coming out of the ground right now, Chad. And what we're finding is, is it's being leased up before the roof is put on. So yeah. pretty exciting times right now. We've done over $800 million in projects, but again, uh, written about $600 million in agreements. Mm -hmm. So what are you guys really doing to, to encourage those developers to build that spec space? Any, anything in particular you're doing? Well, so, so first of all, let, the market is strong. With a 0.6% industrial vacancy rate, cost to do business, strategic location, I can't take credit for any of that. But if all things are considered equal and they're looking at other jurisdictions in Virginia, specifically on the eastern seaboard even, and we give them a carrot. So what our speculative building guideline does is it will give them a rebate on their real estate taxes for up to 36 months or as the building becomes occupied, Mm -hmm. that incentive decreases, but it's a carrot. So if you had a $10 million building, do an economic development for math, which is always dangerous, let me add. Um, that's <laughs> in Hanover County at 81 cents per hundred, that's $81,000 a year in real estate tax rebates. So it's a carrot, but it has encouraged us to be able to compete. We're seeing the likes of the Panatonis, uh, the Red Rocks, Brookwood Capitals, uh, Scannells of the world who are making investments in Hanover. So it's exciting. Well, I'm sure to do that, you had to build consensus with your elected officials. So talk about it. I never seen an elected official that just is ready to run out on, on day one and give away taxes to spec development. Usually you can get them there, but, but usually it's not on day one. So uh, you must be good at consensus building. Talk about that. Well, let me just say this. I think that uh, I know a tremendous amount of practitioners of economic development are much smarter than I am. Uh, but I'll say that you can't get anything done without helping to educate elected officials. And typically, I like to let them think it's their idea. Uh, we've got seven elected officials here in Hanover, uh, but they've really been supportive of economic development. And a lot of it has to do with, again, trying to educate them first, uh, showing them uh, the return on investment. That always helps when you show them what, what that's going to generate to the tax base long term is very helpful. And then again, coming alongside them, as you know, two elected officials typically don't line up exactly. They have their own priorities in each of their districts. So we really work with them to help show them why it makes sense. And I think that that's why we've had a lot of success. I always say you can't get anything done without a vote. Uh, you can have the best ideas in the world. But again, um, it's been somewhat of a perfect storm. We've had a lot of support from our EDA, our Economic Development Authority, in some places in the U.S., they call them IDAs, and the citizens, for the most part, have been very supportive of economic development growth. So I do pride myself on, on the consensus building component of it, again, because nothing can get done without it. Well, I know you're very active on the social media front, and a lot of times economic developers ask me what should they be doing on social media. So I know what my company needs to be doing, but, but sometimes I wonder how do you get consultants' attention and others, so why don't you give some tips on, a, on what all y'all do? Well, first of all, when I got here over 36 months ago, we had very little social media presence. Uh, we were trying to market to international companies, but we, we didn't even have our website curtailed to where we could change the languages on our website. So it sounds great that we're marketing to companies outside the U.S., but they can't even decipher our website. So first of all, we made some significant efforts in upgrading our website. 
uh, so we could market to those companies. We also started doing drone videos. We started updating our testimonials, which many localities do, but the drone videos themselves, we're not just flying the site, we're providing infrastructure information uh, that pops up as the drone's flying over. We're providing schematics and layouts for our site consultant friends, because as you know, they want it right now. Mm -hmm. And currently, and then we started doing this before the pandemic, but currently it makes a whole lot of sense because they can't really put boots on the ground. So this is the closest thing. I'll, I'll even say that even when they can put boots on the ground, sometimes the sites aren't pad ready so they can hardly see what they're looking at. So we've found a lot of success doing that. The other thing that we're doing, Chad, is we're kind of reverse engineering this thing. And in any locality, I think that SMART would start to look at utilizing those analytics tools to find out who's tracking us. Mm -hmm. Some companies are smart. They can hide it. But a lot of them aren't. And we can find out what consultants, what brokers, what companies are looking at us. And we're working smarter because we are a mid-sized locality, right? So mm -hmm. we don't have as many resources as somebody who has, you know, 300,000 population. We're about 108 population currently again just outside of Richmond but we do compete with some bigger boys across the US so I'm we're working smarter we're also disseminating our message I always say that if you don't tell them they won't know so we're generating a lot of exposure on LinkedIn and Facebook we're connecting brokers so when, when we do a deal or we work a deal if a broker's involved a site consultant we're gonna tie them in we're gonna thank them we're going to connect them because they're part of it. You can't get anything done without a team effort in this business, as you know. So that's really how we're trying to move the needle in that regard. And they have connections that we don't have, right? Mm -hmm. So other people are seeing those posts. Isn't it amazing the analytics you can get for the little amount of money? I mean, when you think about in the old days having to just run an ad or get a billboard on the side of the interstate, and now, I mean, for not a whole lot of money, you can see who's on your website, who's doing all this kind of stuff. It's just amazing. It'll probably get cheaper over time as more and more competitors get into it. Yeah, and then we curtail packages accordingly to fit with the needs of those who are looking. We'll try to provide them site information and send them stuff. Um, there's some amazing, like you said, databases for very li little money that you can use to effectively market your locality. So you're 108,000 now. Uh, what was the county, say, 20 years ago? Has it has it really seen a lot of growth? Or Yeah, over, over 20 years, it's grown about 30%. And you're able to I'll keep say, up with the infrastructure for that? Well, so behind me, you'll see a map, and I know those listening probably couldn't see the map, but what, what I'll tell you and describe it is, is that Hanover County's model has been healthy, sustained growth. So we want to grow in only 22% of our county. We have a big county. It's 474 square miles, but we said, listen, we want to be really good in that 22%. We want to keep the rest rural, but we're going to run infrastructure to those areas where we've deemed in our comprehensive plan that we want to grow. And we're doing that. And I think what we're seeing is the fruits of our labor. Now, we do need a strategy long term for how to position ourselves because we're seeing so much growth right now. What does the next 20 years look like? Do we expand our suburban services area, that area that we've deemed appropriate for growth incrementally to be more effective? So I know you're, you're getting the spec space built. Are you good on sites or are you having to develop more sites as, uh, as, you, as you fill more buildings? Great question. I'll tell you what we're finding is, is we can't get the buildings built fast enough. So we still got a challenge there. Our industrial vacancy rate has gone from 0.6% to 1.1%. But from a site perspective, Greenfield sites, we're seeing this all over Virginia. Virginia has a tiering system, one to five, five being most competitive, pad ready, one being a piece of dirt. 
And what we're doing is investing in studies and site analysis to move those properties from a tier one or a tier two to a tier three or tier four. Once we get them to tier three and tier four, as you know, Chad, well, we're seeing more interest and activity on them. Getting that infrastructure in place, doing your delineations, doing your phase ones, doing your schematics and geotechnical work. But we still have a challenge there. Um, what we're trying to do, again, back to educating our board on what's important and what the future looks like. We've got three or four sites that are over 200 acres, uh, but those are seeing a lot of interest. And so I'm guessing in the next 24 months, a lot of those will be taken down. So to answer your question, we're trying to move the needle in that regard municipalities like Hanover only have but so many dollars and resources to put toward it, but we are moving the needle there. I think it might be interesting for the listeners to hear that what we did some time back is because we don't own industrial parks in Hanover County. We don't own land to develop. We have to partner with landowners, so we created what we called a strategic zoning initiative. And what we would do is we would work with the landowner who was interested in rezoning their property for commercial use, specifically industrial flex office. We set the buoys in the water and we said, listen, we'll help you rezone your property. We'll help market it. We'll do some analysis and studies on it. We'll even hold your rollback taxes because you know the moment that property zoned ag from agricultural to industrial or commercial, the value of it's going to skyrocket. We won't uh, charge you that incremental difference in taxes until you sell the property. And when you do, they're building it into the sales price of the property. So we've come up with another creative way to try to encourage development in a locality that has said, hey, listen, we don't really wanna compete with the private sector from the standpoint of owning property. I have worked in localities that have, and it is nice because consultants want the quickest way to help get their prospect off the ground. But this is another way we're doing it. Thank you, Lynn Wood. We're gonna take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be back with a lot more with Lynn Wood Thomas right after this. I want to thank Location One. Some folks know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best buildings and sites database in the economic development industry. And now that coronavirus is hidden and everything's been disrupted, I've been thinking a lot about if I were an economic developer still, what would I do during this time? And I know without question. I would transition to Lois and get my buildings and sites as updated as I possibly could so that when we come out of this economic downturn, we're ready to go. Let me tell you why I like Lois. Uh, it is the most responsive, mobile-friendly buildings and sites database I have found. It's easy to use. It's just as easy to use on an iPad or iPhone as it is a computer. I was browsing around last week uh, on a, a state economic development building and site database, and the thing, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work properly. You had to be an engineer to figure it out. It was too much. It had this circle you could draw to look at buildings. The circle wouldn't work. When I backed out, it forgot what square footage I was looking for. None of that happens with Lois. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I've looked far and wide. It is the most easy to use from a site selection standpoint on any platform. I'm told it's just as easy to use for economic developers, that it really walks you through inserting your information and putting it in so that prospects can use it. So I really encourage you, take a look at location1.com. Use this time while we're down to update your buildings and sites. Transition them to location one. You'll be really happy you did. Very smart and very aggressive. And I tell you, you're my first Virginia client or a guest, I think, on the show. So walk me through. That's really smart. So in Virginia, I didn't know they did this. 
So they score sites one to five. So instead of just either being a certified site or not certified, you're telling me, is it the state that does this or the power company? But they'll look at your site and even if it's a two, you know how to get to a three. Is this what you're telling me? Kind of walk me through that because I think that's smart. Yeah, that's exactly right. What they've done is they've looked at all the localities across the Commonwealth, have asked the localities to submit sites uh, that they deemed appropriate for development, and then they ranked them. They tiered them. They brought in nationally known developers and consultants. They ranked the sites, and then they said, okay, Mr. Thomas, you've got a tier two site here. They consider it categorized, and Mm -hmm. then here are the things that you need to do to move it from a tier two to a tier four or a tier five, and here's an estimated dollar amount it's going to cost to move it there. So the state really sets the precedent, and then we get in line to say, okay, this is a tier two site, but if I invest $40,000 in these two studies, let's just say it's geotech and wetlands delineations, I can move it from a tier two to a tier three. Boy, I think... I think that is smart. I didn't know y'all did that. So I think that is smart. We, uh, I see a lot of states, they'll have their certification program and a site will either be certified or not. It's yes or no. And, you know, sometimes you'll want to see other sites, maybe they're not certified because they didn't have some study, but it's really not that expensive. And I sometimes feel we're not seeing the whole list of sites because the state's only showing us certified sites in other states. So I really like your idea. And then that obviously then, so you can even have a one, you can have land that you don't own or whatever, maybe it's got problems, but at least you got a site. And, and then uh, I guess you, you then know what you got to do to get it up to, the, up to par. And what we do is we, we partner with the landowner and I know consultants will say, well, we, we prefer that the county owns it. It's, con- it's a controlled asset, which makes a lot of sense. But what we've done is the state has said, listen, the landowner has to be on board before we'll certify it. They've got to fill out an application to say mm-hmm. they're supportive of marketing their property. And then we take it from there. Typically the property at least has to be zoned or they have to sign that document mm-hmm. indicating they're willing to work with the state from a marketing perspective. But the other thing I will add that I didn't mention really proud of this too, Chad, is that Hanover County specifically has added net new jobs in the top 10% of all localities across the Commonwealth over the last three years. 133 municipalities, that's counties and cities in the Commonwealth, that puts us in the top, you know, 13 counties across Virginia. And those studies were published by Garner Economics and also Virginia Employment Commission. So uh, we've got tangible data to show that not only are we Uh, getting new product on the ground and we're seeing interest, but we're adding net new jobs. And what we're doing too is, is our median average wage has gone up by about 8% over the last 24 months. And, you know, no two jobs are alike, but it's important that we continue to try to grow the economy and create good jobs. Now that poses the question, well, the higher the wages are, you sometimes box yourself out of some other deals, but we'll take the problem any day of the week because I think it shows that we're adding quality jobs to the locality. So very proud of that as well. And are you seeing still good deal flow even during this time of COVID? Have you, I'm sure it's down, but is it, is it good in your mind considering the situation? So Hanover being about 12 miles again, north of the city, we're a little more blue collar. And I'll say this, we have people who are just dying to get back to work. Uh, the governor, rollout of phase one, two, and three has not been greatly received by business owners across the Commonwealth. They were hoping to have a little bit more nimble process, but what we're seeing from major developers is, is foot on the pedal. Let's get these deals closed. We want to get them across the finish line. There's no slowing down. Now there has been some pain locally. Shoot, there's been pain across the entire U.S. 
uh, from an unemployment perspective, but we're a little more insulated. We don't, one of our major drivers isn't retail and office. So we really have weathered that storm quite well. I'm tracking continuing unemployment claims and they have all but fallen off. You know, it's not the initial claims we're worried about. It's those continuing claims of people that are receiving unemployment that I'm more worried about. And we're starting to see those really fall off. So mm-hmm. Hanover County before the pandemic, unemployment rate was about 2.3%. Some of the lowest unemployment in the Commonwealth. Currently, we're tracking at about six and a half to seven, which is significantly lower than the Commonwealth, which is at 9.4. I think the state, I looked at that in May, was about 14.7%. We're doing well. Yeah. Well, let's transition a little bit now to your story. So I always like to ask folks how they got into this profession. So uh, how'd you stumble into economic development? Great question. I actually um, lived across the street when I was going to grade school from the Assistant Secretary of Agriculture for H.W. Uh, Bush. His name was Eugene F. Bailey. I uh, had always thought I wanted to go into politics, but when I got out of college, I said, I don't think I want to do the politics deal anymore, but I did want to help my community. So I got involved in the local chamber in the Fredericksburg region, which is just 50 miles north of here. And, you know, someone once told me to give back and you'll have plenty of opportunities. And I really wanted to better my community. And he saw me and he knew we knew each other because we lived across the street when I was younger. And he saw me speaking at a chamber event and said, hey, you'd be good at economic development. He said, I think that you should consider it. And I said, I never really thought about it. So that's really how I got my start worked at a regional group for almost seven years where I was working my way up from being the deputy director of finance to uh, the director of strategic planning and then eventually became the deputy director there at the regional group. Then I transitioned to a small locality, King George County, which was in the same greater Fredericksburg region. Um, I always say if you can do rural economic development, Chad, you can do it anywhere because that's it's most difficult in those rural localities that have very limited resources. We had some success there with the redistricting. Congressman Whitman reached out and said that there was an opportunity here in Hanover County, which again was just 50 miles south. He said it's a great county. It's positioned well. And so from there, I applied and have been in Hanover for a little over three years now. So yeah. Is, where did you really learn? Where'd you really learn your marketing side of this? Is uh, is this just something that's in you? You know, you were just born being good at marketing, or did you learn that at one of your stops, or how'd you get so good at that part of it? Man, I think this business is a majority of building relationships. Still, I think. Don't get me wrong. All things considered, the prospect's going to choose the place that makes the most sense for them. It's a lot about relationship building. It's a lot about telling your story. It's kind that you would say that I'm good at it. I think that. I describe myself as a bird dog. We're just going out there and, and building relationship with site consultants and brokers and, and trying to educate them on the product we have and then getting out there and telling our story. I would, you'd be surprised at how many LinkedIn posts and Facebook posts generate interest from a different industry sector that may do business with that specific industry. And when they pick up on it, they don't even have to know you. They just know your message and they know what you're working on, which has helped us tremendously. So I wouldn't categorize myself as a marketing guru, but I, I do think that, you know, getting out there and aggressively telling your story is important. I totally agree. Well, Lynn Woods, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd want to share with our audience? No, I just thank you for the opportunity. And I would ask people who are interested to take a look at HanoverVirginia.com. We're open for business. And again, 
I know we're coming out of the other side of this pandemic. We hope there's not another flare up, but tremendous amount of interest nationally and internationally in this part of the country. And I'm glad to be the first Virginian that you've invited on your podcast, Chad. Yeah. Very nice of you. I'm pretty sure you are. I, ho- I hope I, I hope I had another one and forgot, and they'll be offended with it. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you, I'm pretty sure you are. But I've heard good things about you. I've heard you're aggressive, and I always like to talk to what I think are up and coming aggressive people because that that used to be me. So I like to I like to talk to others like that. So, well, love seeing your economic development story as well, seeing what you're doing with your business. Obviously, you've got a great story, uh, marketing the heck out of your business, and hey. Listen, that's, a, that's an economic development success story as well. So congratulations to you, Chad, and, yeah, and your thank team. thank you. Yeah, it's nice to be on this side and, and having employees and, and sending in tax. You know, people always complain about taxes, having been an economic developer. I, I don't like paying them, don't get me wrong, but I do appreciate when we send the checks into the state and the cities and so forth and thinking about it. I'm, I'm not real, I'm not real appreciative that, you know, COVID's come along and we can't really work, <laughs> but, but I do, I do like being on this side and signing the front of the paychecks and, and, and spending the taxes and, and having been on both sides of it. And, and you're right on the marketing. The more we market, I mean, we, we're just now really getting good at it, but our business is just growing and, and economic developers can do all of that. And uh, I, I find, I think in, on the marketing side, we, we got really lucky. Goldman Sachs picked us for a entrepreneurial accelerator program in 2017. They call it 10,000 small businesses. And they had to readjust our mindset. And, uh, you know, they had to, to teach us concepts of if you think you need to send one email, you might need to send it 10 times. <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta redo and don't be afraid of somebody unsubscribes because in the long run, you're paying your MailChimp or whatever to have them in your list. So you'd rather them unsubscribe because that gets them out of your list quicker. And, and you have to, you know, expose people to things eight and nine times and you can't worry about it. And uh, so we really upped our online marketing game and, I, and it's worked. And so I can just tell you, I think that's one advantage the younger economic developers can have. I think that, you know, the folks who are 60s and 50s been around a long time, they see sending an email, well, I don't want to bother somebody, when in fact, you might need to send it to that broker 10 times before that broker responds. But once they respond, you've got their attention. Well, you guys are a a talent organization and you look for talent. And I tell you, getting your product out there is extremely important. I don't see too many other groups doing what you guys are doing. So, Kudos to you because we're seeing it all across the internet, which is a good thing because you're getting a tremendous amount of exposure for it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's congratulations. Right. Well, and two, uh, as economic developers, listen, what Goldman Sachs did for us, it was an entrepreneurial accelerator program. And you may do this in your community, but for the economic developers out there, I used to be of the opinion that you can't train an entrepreneur. I thought that entrepreneurs were born. That's just what I thought. And I still think that to a certain extent, but, but I do think you can certainly train them to go from one level to the other. So what, what this training did for us is it got us from kind of stage two to stage three, if that makes any sense. And so for the economic development, I've told this to the people in New Orleans um, because they're the ones that invited Goldman Sachs to do this, the economic development organization. And I have told them, man, y'all need to keep doing that because it worked for us. We have, we have more employees now than we did. And so for the economic developers out there that have entrepreneurial programs and you wonder, hey, does that ever really work? I'm living testimonial proof that it does. So it's worth doing it. Well, look, I really appreciate you having us and allowing me some time to showcase Hanover County today. It was very nice of you. Again, I hope we'll stay in touch. All right. Sounds good. Good luck to the, to the Cavaliers this season. Hey, thank you so much. Take care. Have a good All one. All right.
Next Move Group has launched a new initiative designed to both grow the American economy and improve the quality of lives of economic developers. So we're going to grow the American economy multiple ways. We've got all kind of different ways to really help economic development organizations be more successful, including helping them bring back jobs from overseas in China, reshoring that production to the United States. And we're going to help economic developers improve their quality of life. So you always hear this, the economic developer's job to improve the quality of life of everybody in their community. Well, whose job is it to improve that economic developer's quality of life? At Next Move Group, we're taking that task on for ourselves. So to learn more about the movement that we're creating, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement, thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement. 